a level check first, Josh? Level check, level check. Are we good? Do we need more juice from the Plank Show or what? Maybe just a smidge. Maybe just a skosh. Maybe. How's that? Check, check, check. We're great. Check. Do I need to just yell louder during the program today? No, that's terrific. Good morning, my friend. Good How are you? morning, everybody. How are you, man? I'm good. I, uh, this is, this is weird. I'm not going to lie to you. This is weird. I, I don't know if you could have asked for a better weather weekend for the regionals, right? It was incredible. Now, Friday, we, we had to play weatherman and, and thanks to Dr. Kevin Clazel for making sure we all stayed in the loop and what ended up happening, we were dry. Hydra, Hydra. But for some reason, I don't know how else to, to put it, it played absolute havoc with all my equipment. Everything was overheating. Everything was, you know, worried about staying dry. So I'm just, I'm a little bit nervous for the computer to make it through the show today, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. It bailed on me three different times during the games, each game this weekend, Josh, each game. Have you noticed that the MacBook Pro does not like the heat? Yeah, they okay. they do struggle with that. You got to get them some shade or or this or that. They uh, they do not appreciate overheating. Man, computers are soft, dude. What a great weekend, right? I mean, obviously, my focus was on the world of softball and the Oklahoma Sooners, and we had a great, I thought, regional. I don't know, you know, I, it was funny because on on Saturday I saw some people that were throwing out, man, all these upsets, all these crazy upsets, and I'm like, like you know, we really only had two major upsets that took place during this World Series, or at least this run to the World Series, uh, by on Saturday. I mean, for the most part, it had been all chalk in most places. But UCLA, going two and Q, ended up becoming this, oh my gosh, look at all these upsets, when really, for the most part, you know, in, in the end, we're, we're getting a bunch of chalk outside of Louisiana Lafayette and San Diego State. So when... You know, in 14 of your 16, wait, is that math? When, yeah, 14 of your, your 16 super regional teams are basically kind of who we thought would be there. I don't necessarily know if you sit back and go, wow, what an amazing, amazing weekend of upsets. But, but there were pretty big upsets, Josh, that kind of, trigger that conversation throughout the weekend UCLA the number two overall exactly seed, getting bounced out of their their regional is pretty shocking and this is what now back-to-back -back years where we've had sort of a a tidal wave shocking upset in a, in the regional round is it not it no no it's not just shocking it's jaw-dropping but he, here's my point and this is very much old man get off my lawn kind of stuff all right when you watch a game that sucks and then all of a sudden with two minutes to go, it gets great if it's football or with a minute to go in the NBA, suddenly it's cut from like 10 to 5. Just because you had like a stretch where it was really good, that doesn't mean, wow, what a great game. But it seems in this instance, something as historic as UCLA getting beat has led to this being viewed as an upset laden regional slash super regional when I mean really that was that was the chaos 
in UCLA getting beat. And for the most part, outside of Northwestern playing, what, Miami of Ohio yesterday, who absolutely smoked Kentucky. Man, I'll, my two biggest disappointments in the regional, well, outside of UCLA, was Kentucky. I thought they had a chance. Kentucky just absolutely blew it. And I was really, I was pretty shocked at how poorly Central Arkansas played. I got the, uh, I got the necessary amount of grief from Sean at the softball game on, on Sunday when I saw him for thinking that Central Arkansas had a chance. But uh, hey, Middle Tennessee State sure as heck did. That was fun. But I don't know. It, with one major upset like that, it kind of, UCLA, Josh, it kind of paints everything as, wow, that is a wild weekend of, of softball and upsets when it was just, it was just really good softball. From It was a really fun weekend, I thought. And the dominant team flexed its muscle as the dominant team. Oklahoma, you couldn't ask for a team to play much better than Oklahoma did in its in its regional matchups all weekend long. It's going to be a it's going to be really really hard to beat the Sooners if they play like they did in those three games this weekend. You know, the upsets across the board, it, it was not too far off though from being a pretty wild weekend. I know that we, we, oh, can, absolutely. we, we can kind of look at it and say, well, it was mostly just UCLA, but <laughs> for some people, they might have been living in the reality that Washington's season came to a close if you flip that game off versus McNeese. That was, that was crazy there. Uh, Louisiana, that was, I wild. don't know, you know, milder upset over LSU, but still an upset. Oregon, Arkansas, not shocking, but Florida State, a- almost, right? I mean, mm-hmm. South Carolina at least forced the if necessary game I know that well you had the perfect game right but uh they stressed them and Auburn stressed Clemson there were some if necessaries out there there are some game sevens and you're right so let's look at it from this way we nearly had the chaos we did last year we came really close it's Florida State it took a perfect game to beat South Carolina a perfect game after being forced to an if necessary game I know that Oregon was the two in the Fayetteville Regional. I don't really consider that to be much of an upset. I just I know I know Arkansas had played well this year and they hosted the the SEC tournament, but that had nothing to do with how they played. It's not like oh you get rewarded for a great season by hosting the SEC tournament. That's not really that's not how this thing works. But Washington needed one of the most amazing comebacks I think that we've ever seen. They're down. They're down six love in the seventh, and they score seven runs. I mean, you got coaches crying on the field. I mean, it was wild. It was wild. Um, you you brought up Northwestern. Northwestern is in a situation in the seventh inning where Miami of Ohio has the bases loaded, and they're only down a run to potentially win and force an if-necessary game. But you had one of the weirdest plays I've seen. Bases loaded. Ground ball to – just quickly to recap this, Josh. Bases loaded, Miami of Ohio at the plate. Ground ball to first base. The first baseman starts to go to the bag and then stops and throws home and barely gets the force out. But then there was confusion as to whether or not the first baseman stepped on the bag and if it needed to be a, a tag or a force at home. Then there was confusion about whether or not the Northwestern catcher – actually had her foot on the plate. So it was chaos at the end of that game in, in Evanston. I mean, Alabama, I mean, if, if Shipman doesn't hit a home run, they might be done. I mean, Middle Tennessee was riding a wave of momentum. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely 100% right. We were 
so close to absolute chaos. I mean, could you imagine a and, – and again, for Northwestern, just would have forced an if-necessary game, but just play along here. Could you imagine if, you know, let's just say Middle Tennessee State had pulled that off and Miami of Ohio had pulled that off? You would have had Middle Tennessee State and Miami of Ohio playing for a spot in the World Series. <laughs> Could you? Hey, here's the other one. If McNeese State would have held on, you would have had McNeese State playing Louisiana Lafayette for a spot in the Women's College World Series. And let's not lose sight of what happened in Stillwater. While Oklahoma State, I mean, the only reason they gave up a couple runs were to, I don't know if they ruled those pass balls or wild pitches. But you look and suddenly they've, They've kind of got things clicking now, and you wonder, all right, did they figure things out, or did they just basically get a, a regional that is challenging as it seemed on the surface? You had a team in Wichita State who has never been in a position where they go into the postseason and people expect them to win, and they didn't wear it. They, they, they didn't carry that. They got beat. They had a rally through the um, – they had a rally and got beat again. I mean, it's just it was a tough weekend for Wichita State, and then Nebraska blows a, blows a lead – in the seventh inning when they fall apart against Oklahoma State. So I don't – you're right, Josh. It was awesome. It was fun. But we were on the edge of chaos all weekend long. What a storyline it would have been if South Carolina had beaten Florida State again and they went barbecue in this uh, regional round again. But all the same, uh, you know, for Oklahoma, just absolute dominance. Well, well let's start there. Uh, I almost gave the – I almost gave the Fox Sports Radio number. 405-329-9000. That's 405-329-9000. That is the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. We also love to hear from you on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. The easiest and the best way to get in touch with the show. And uh, on Twitter, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref. Everyone should follow us at KREF Sports. I just, I, I really feel like, Josh, from top to bottom, it was about as dominant of a weekend as you could ask for from Oklahoma, right? You, you win your first game 11-zip. You win your second game 11-zip. You win yesterday 16-3. to I mean, 22 plus 38 runs in three games. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you could ask for a much better performance. We could take, you know, one half inning for Alex Tarocco, and you can drill down and get worried about that if you want to. Um, you can maybe say that, you know, it took the crowd a little bit of time to get going on, on Friday, but holy smokes, that crowd yesterday was incredible. I mean, you, you could really nitpick on some things if you want, and, and that's what I know Coach Gasso is doing today because, you know, that championship mindset isn't, hey, we won, we're selling. You, you didn't see Oklahoma hugging and, and going crazy with each other when they clinched a regional. They're not running out to the outfield to take a picture with the banner. It's it's another step along the road. It's another check on the checklist of to-do. And I mean, I, I don't know. From my perspective, Josh, I could give you all the numbers you want, but I, I just I don't know if it could have I don't know if it could have been more of a perfect weekend for Oklahoma in the way it executed on the field. Well, isn't it interesting too? The the storyline at times this season was why have the bats gone missing in this pitcher by committee? It's given Oklahoma some problems, but they survived it in in. Basically, every instance, <laughs> no problem with the bats. No, no problem with the bats uh, in the postseason. I mean, they absolutely were mashing plank. They're incredible. They're incredible. I, uh, of course, you know me. I've got to, I've got to nerd out on some numbers. And on Sunday morning, 
I uh, Sunday morning, I went and just really started digging into the numbers as far as how some players had performed in their career during regional play. Dude, this is, this is insane. This was their third regional for Tiare, for Jada. Um, Kinsey Hansen essentially her third regional as well, too. And, I mean, Tiare Jennings, let's see, three, six. Like she's got over, like, 35 at-bats in regional play in three, in three years. Their, their postseason numbers were crazy. They're like at uh, 80, 86 now. 86 at-bats in their postseason careers for Jada and Tiare through two seasons and a regional. That's not just because they're being pushed to the brink. Oklahoma hasn't played a third Super Regional game since 2015. I mean, how consistently dominant they've been, man. It is, it's really fun. And I know that you know, heading into this weekend, there was all of the conversations about oh, trying trying to nitpick, right? Because everyone wants to nitpick. They struggled so much with the bases loaded, and they struggled so much with leaving runners on base at Oklahoma State, and that's a problem. And you know what? That's a fair point. They were one for eleven with the bases loaded in the Oklahoma State series. They left 14, 22, 31 runners on base in those three games. Josh, thirty-one. Rudders on base. Now, I don't know about you, but I think you would agree. That seems to be a lot of runners to be left on base uh, over a weekend, right? Indeed. Yes, so, you, you'd like to whittle that down. You're going back a couple of weeks. Since the start of the postseason, I've got to update the numbers from yesterday. But just leading into yesterday, in the four combined games, Iowa State, Texas, Hofstra, Missouri, and like I said, I'll, I'll, update, the, I'll update the numbers from – uh, Cal here in just a bit, but they were three for four with the bases loaded and they had only stranded 18 runners on base in four games combined. And Oh, by the way, they were absolutely incredible with two outs yesterday. Absolutely incredible with two outs as they had been most of the weekend. So when you nitpick and I, I know some people are like, Oh, just getting arrogant about the way things have gone. I don't know what else to say except all of those areas where you tried to find things to complain about and all of those areas where you, you, you sit back and you're like, dang, it's, I'll worry about this or what happens with this. It's almost as if they answered every single one of those questions with an emphatic, hey, we're ready, let's go, as soon as this postseason started. Well, and of those four games, I know you haven't mixed the – Here, I got it right here. I'm looking it up right now as we speak, but go ahead. Well, you haven't totally mixed the Cal game into those stats yet. Of the four that you're talking about, Plank, OU won nine to nothing, six to one, eleven to nothing, eleven to nothing, and sixteen to three, and sixteen to three. Yeah, okay. So I can add the Cal game. They didn't bat with the bases loaded, and they only left three runners on base. The Sooners yesterday were eight for thirteen with runners in scoring position, and with two outs. With two outs, Josh, they hit 583. They were 7 for 12 with two outs. It's just ridiculous. And, and they put the game pretty much out of reach with two outs in the third inning. That seven-run third. And, oh, by the way, it took a challenge to get to that point. Now, 
again, it was 7-zip at that point. So OU was well on its way towards rolling Cal. And even though, to be fair, Cal did put three runs on the bottom of the board in that third inning. But they literally finished the game by just rolling with two outs in the third inning yesterday. It's, it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. So with that in mind, we got a busy week of, of recaps and previews. We're going to learn a lot about Clemson heading up. Uh, JT Gasso is going to join us in 15 minutes. So today is the day. JT is going to join us coming up just after the bottom of the hour. So we'll talk to the Sooner hitting coach coming up here in about 15 minutes from now. In the meantime, take a time out. Let's hit on all the other stories that really seem to catch your eye this weekend, including the Big 12 baseball tournament being set, um, the perception of Oklahoma fans on Twitter has come under fire because of four to five idiots, and I don't get it. I've never understood it. It's been something that's happened for, you know, since the invention of mankind, but just because a recruit doesn't choose you the very small faction of people that feel like it's a need for them to jump on a message board and say something incredibly ridiculous, damning, or, you know, slanderous. Don't, don't you guys pay attention? Don't you pay attention anymore? There's this thing called the portal. And you people that want to jump on and act like a-holes, for some reason it's become, it's become a badge of honor to send stuff to message board geniuses that, just infiltrates the college football world because everyone's been made to look like a fool from that Twitter feed. And so everyone else wants to try to bust everyone else out. Now, I'm sure the message board people love it, right? Because it's more exposure for their board and the craziness of it. But for the Sooner fans and in every fan base, it makes you look like fools, especially whenever the guy that had made the decision to go somewhere else retweets it. So we'll get to that coming up hmm. on a very, very busy Monday right here on The Ref. All right, it's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I, uh, I was listening to Steel Man on Friday. Got to listen to a majority of his show, right? We had, we had the afternoon start, so I had a couple of errands to run. So I'm driving around, I'm listening to Steel. And I, I was laughing because he and... Uh, What's our, what's our boy's name? Why did I just blank on Parker? <laughs> he, he and Parker were talking about the excitement level that Oklahoma fans would have on Monday if they were able to secure what I, I think, you know, right? C correct me if I'm wrong, Josh Helmer. But I think what they would consider to be a fairly locked-in commitment Right. And the old idea was that, hey, if the the Sooners end up, why am I blanking on this dude's name right now? This is the Davian Sims. Thank you. If they lock in the Davian Sims, Sims, it'll be party time come Monday morning and fans will be celebrating like this on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Or if they don't, and I was, I was cracking up because, again, I, I don't know I, everything I know about recruiting. I, I read on the Internet. But. Man, we have, we have got to stop these reactions, right? I mean, and it sucks because I've said this a lot of times. The loud, the loud minority 
always overpowers the silent majority in the way people feel and think. I feel that that's always been my opinion. And, you know, you're just looking, I'm looking at the four screenshots right now. And really only one of them, would I look at and say, okay, that, that guy is definitely a crazy person, but usually, you know, 90% of the time it can be just chalked up to, wow, that's uh that's, um, that's crazy fan for you. But when, when said recruit retweets it and has a comment about it, Josh, that's where things, I think, become a little bit more concerning, right? No doubt. And not even just said recruit. I mean, multiple yeah. recruits. Caden Durham is, is, quote, tweeting it. I think there were a couple of others. David Stone uh, was reacting to it and actually went, went to bat and defended Oklahoma. Good. But it – not defending those actions, but just sure. Oklahoma as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it looks looks bad when uh, when that's going on. And here's what sucks is, I mean, I think I saw a few guys on the timeline last night that were going out of their way to say, hey, look at the comments under the kid's commitment, right? Right. Look, look at, hey, good luck. Wish we could have you. Things don't work out. Can't wait. You know, we'll follow you, support you. It's, it's really, it was cool to see. But we always we always tend to find the negative, and that's what leads. So this is I just barely cracked open the the text line, the Kenneth Meyer Chevrolet text line, and the four hundred five writes: Are we sure those jerks are OU fans and not another fan base uh, infiltrating to make us look bad? I, I mean, I guess in the end, those message board communities win, right? Because they're paying to, to go post on that message board if they're a fan of someone else. Then there was this real quick from Brazilian Sooner. People who attack young recruits for not choosing their school are actually pathetic and sick. Some people want change and a new place to start their career. Hope all Oklahoma kids going elsewhere do well and find success. Love our team and our coaches. It's just, it sucks because, Josh, and I know we got a break. We're going to spend more time on this. And obviously, Parker Steelman going to be all over it. Locked in will be all over it today. It just sucks because... That becomes the narrative. That becomes the story when it really shouldn't. And it's unfair because a couple – what what was the thing in class? A few people ruin it for everybody. Yes, they do. What happened in, uh, in every single Army movie that I've ever watched? It's everyone in the, in the platoon, in the battalion. Everyone in Plank's platoon is doing well, but one guy screws it up, and that one person that screws it up ruins it for everybody. So, I don't know, just everyone's more active on social media than they've ever been before. From players to recruits to coaches, they all are. Everyone wants to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not really into it, but they are. Everyone that, that tweets, I'm taking a break for social media for my mental health, they're still on it. They're still reading it, right? So, I, I, I will never, ever understand why – that is viewed as a necessary attack. Never will. Well, and it is worth pointing out again, this is the minority, and it sucks yes, preach, when preach. it sucks when message board geniuses because this is what they do, right? This is their their platform and it's sure. their stick. The Oklahoma got got because guess yep. what? A couple of folks that think that they're nameless and faceless behind a message board can say and do whatever they want. Those get amplified because of what the platform is. And it's not the 
overwhelming mm-hmm. majority of Oklahoma fans, and it sucks. It makes everybody look bad when that is not that's that's not the the case of the majority. But it is what it is. There are a few of those examples mm-hmm. in every single fan base out there. In a moment like this. Looks really, really bad. It looks and, bad. And is potentially damaging, Plank. It looks really, really bad. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's reset our – so, again, Zdavian Sims chooses Oregon this weekend. Steelman and Thune are going to be all over it coming up at noon today. In the meantime, we're all over. Oklahoma's 16-3 win over Cal and advancement again to the Super Regional. Longest active streak of consecutive trips to the Super Regional. That's the University of Oklahoma. At 13 straight trips to the Super, JT Gasso is next on The Plank Show. All right, it's the Plank Show. Welcome in the hitting coach for the University of Oklahoma Sooners, J.T. Gasso. OU is off to the Super Regionals for the 13th straight season. Congratulations, J.T. What a what a pretty complete performance you guys had this week, and how are you feeling on this Monday? Well, I feel great. Uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't <laughs> I know play, what say. So I you didn't great. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can can you no, take us uh, through the challenge of preparing for regional play from this perspective? You have three other teams. You could play any of the three uh, multiple times or one time. I know between yourself and Juan Drasic and the job that you know Han and everyone does in kind of helping out on that front. How how challenging is that, or do you kind of have it down to an art now? Well, that's what the preseason four you know when we go and play five teams in three days and uh you kind of have an idea of of who you're going to face what you're going to get into and and so i thought we we had a really good idea of what we were going to face uh starting with hofstra and kind of you kind of know at this point you're you're ready for anything so you know you prepare for multiple pitchers you uh, have a game plan for different scenarios for different parts of the game and whatnot so uh, we just try and stay ahead of, of what we're going to see and just have a plan for you know really anything that that could come our way so um, yeah it was tough but I know that um, we've prepared for it all year so JT with that in mind just you have a team respond the way that they did made the necessary um, adjustments make the necessary changes it, for you as a hitting coach, how rewarding is that to see this team adjust and attack the way that it did? Yeah, like I said, we've been doing it all year. Uh, it's just the way that we've built it into our uh, identity as a as an offense and what we want to do. We're just trying to be smart. We uh, like I like I keep saying, try and stay ahead of things and just really have a locked in plan of. Um, what we need to do to, to execute what we want to execute, uh, play our game. And it's just the message we've been saying all year. So, uh, you know, we don't try and really do anything new uh, in the way that we play, the way that we approach things. Um, we've just been keeping it consistent all year. And sometimes the results may not show, you know, what, what we want, but we um, just keep plugging away, keep working hard. And that I think that's the, the one huge thing about this weekend is we worked really, really hard. And, you know, you'll, you'll hear and see people say, uh, oh, they coasted. They no, we work our butts off to, to play the way that we play. And um, it was, you know, really good things um, happen, and we just want to keep it rolling and learn from the, the things that we need to work on and uh, apply it to this, this upcoming weekend. You know, it's kind of wild. Haley Lee didn't necessarily have the best finish to the season, but it's almost 
I don't want to say a lights come on because she's been a great hitter all season long. But what have you seen specifically over these, uh, let's see, two games, five games, the Big 12 and in the regional, most outstanding player in the, in the Big 12 tournament was just, I think they only retired her twice, maybe once all weekend long. Where have you just seen her find another level as uh, postseason has got here? Yeah, I think just the, the one thing that is, especially with Haley, and not, not just Haley, but I guess with everyone, is you, we are prepared for the human element. And just statistically, like with everyone, they're going to have some sort of um, – you, you're not always going to be, like, just straight down the middle um, consistent. Like, you know, if you let's just say someone hits 350. They're not just going to always hit 350. You're going to go above and below that every – like, that, that is just with everyone. Jossie was at – I know she – like, even last year she was at 500, but it wasn't like she was just right at 500 every single game. She'd go above and below that, right? So, um, with – with Haley, specifically Haley, she just hit that point where she was just trying to, um, like it, it was felt like it was going, I don't want to say downhill, but statistically it, it showed that or, you know, whatnot. But um, it was just keeping her locked into the nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong with your swing, nothing's wrong with what you're doing. You just got to keep, keep things consistent the way that you know how to do things. And um, that's the one thing with streaks, uh, you know, at the plate is, it can kind of get on you mentally, and that's the one thing that we really buy into is if, if you really believe that, that you're failing, then you're just going to really mentally break down somewhere in the sense of um, I'm doing something wrong, I'm doing whatever. But just if you know that you're learning from your process and you're learning from your at-bats and how you're going to be better, then you're going to see things take off. And I feel like um, – you know, it's easy. It's it's easy to say that, but until it actually hits you, um, then you got to kind of know, you know, what what to do. And I feel like um, she felt that, and then it was like a new start to Big Twelve tournament. It's like, all right, I got this. Boom, and she's just really taken off from there. So yesterday, her at bat, that first at bat, she really, really worked hard to get that ball to go to the right center gap and that two strike count. Um, took a really good swing, and if you go back and look, there there's two swings in particular on the weekend that I'm like, man, those were really, really good swings. It was Haley's in that first at-bat, but then also Boone's at-bat. Uh, I think it was against Missouri. Uh, it was a low and in pitch that she hammered the center field. That was just a freakishly athletic swing. That was really awesome to see. So, um, like, I, like I'm going to keep saying, these they're working really, really hard to, to do what they're doing and kind of get the results that they're that they're getting. <laughs> that swing by Haley Lee, you're so right. And, and DJ Sanchez was all over it. My, I think my favorite swing, since I'm really struggling with my golf stroke right now, JT, Jocelyn Erickson's home run. Now that looked like she just basically got that driver, got her hands in and just – I mean, she looked – that was huge to see Jocelyn Erickson be able to have some success this weekend because – she had a great start, struggled a little bit in the middle, but man, you, you add her cooking to this lineup, look out. Yeah, that, that, you're so right. That is another one I forgot to mention. That was unreal, the way that she got to that. It was literally looking like a cricket swing. Um, and that's, that's, that's one thing that we really try and do is unlock their athleticism to let them do those things. And 
she is starting to really buy into the uh, – well, I don't want to say she's buying into it, but she's showing a veteran approach in what she's doing. And at, that, at this age, at this point of the season, that's really exciting. And not just her, but, I mean, everyone. Like, you look at – you think of Avery Hodges' double, and she was probably – she's probably still smiling. Uh, I can still see that big grin, but she's been working really hard uh, with their standing game, adding it to her slap, and that double that she hit was just – and not off like a – like off a really good pitcher too. Um, That was really the cherry on top for, uh, you know, this offense as a whole. You know, it's it's interesting because I I know Coach talks about it a lot, and JT Gasso is with us, Sooner hitting coach. But the the want and the need to get more players involved, right, you – you need to get Sophia Nugent plate appearances. You've got to get Q an opportunity. Um, that was pretty big this weekend, and I thought Q had a great at bat, and, and that was fun to see her get a hit. Uh, you mentioned Avery Hodge. JT, these might seem like small things for fans, but they're they're massive in the long run, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you really never know when, what situation you're going to step into, and case in point was – Liberty putting in their pinch hitter that Casey Machado, uh, she came up huge for them against that UCLA. And I don't know exactly the number of at-bats that she had, but to come off the bench in the biggest game of that program's history and come in and just, you know, do what she did, that's a really tough spot. And I bring that up because um, I'm very aware of, the situations that might arise in a game for anybody. So we just try and keep everyone ready. Um, and we work, with, we work with everyone on their strengths, weaknesses, and, and really digging deep into staying ahead of what might uh, happen to you in the game and making sure that you are 100% prepared for any situation that you step into. Casey Machado was 5 for 31 on the season, JT. She only had 30 – she was hitting 161. She only had 31 plate appearances uh, whenever yeah. she <laughs> went and did what she did this past week, and that's, that's really awesome. Hey, I know, uh, I, I, I know we don't have a ton of time, but I, we talked about it last week. I, I feel like we got to talk about it again because it just becomes so commonplace. But Jada going up and taking away a home run, it's just like, oh, there's a fly ball to center field. She went over the wall and caught it. it I mean, she just makes it look so routine – you talked about it last week, but as someone who transitioned from the infield to the outfield in the last couple of seasons, she has just embraced it, and she can make any play. Yeah, and it's it's a big thing that we work on, especially in the outfield. Is that you think about in the infield? What's one thing you never have to to worry about? It's a wall. You never have to worry <laughs> about a wall behind you, and we see that happen with with everyone. Is the fear of that wall. Um, and, and our wall too, even, I know it's padded and, but it, I mean, if you run into it hard enough, it'll beat you up a little bit. And so that's something that we work on every single game in our, in our pregame warmup, they learn how to get to the wall. They learn how to feel that out, the timing of it. And I mean, she's done it so much that I, it's just, I'm not surprised by it. Um, uh, we work on it in practice. We work on it, uh, before games. So, it's just one of those things where if it's getting to the wall, and I would say with, you know, any of our any of our outfielders, they got they're getting to the point to where um, those almost feel like routine. 
you know, and I'm not saying like, hey, we just work on these amazing catches. But what I'm saying is just the feeling of the awareness of where they're at on the field and space is, um, I think, very important, especially for outfielders. It's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. I know uh, we're diving in on, on, on Clemson this week. We're going to learn a lot, but you got a, a snapshot on how you're feeling about the Tigers, what you've seen from them? Yeah, uh, real low ERAs as a staff. Uh, it's not, you know, I know Cagle has a lot of their innings, but they have really good pieces uh, all the way around. So uh, it's going to take a whole team effort to uh, to really battle this out. And, um, you know, their offense is, is good. And I think they were hitting like over 300 and whatnot. So at this point in the stage, and Coach talked about it uh, with the team, is every game now, every opponent is tough. So you got to, you know, just come out and, and absolutely execute at a high level. Um, and, you know, the, all, a lot of that goes into our prep work. So, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be ready come time, but, um, you know, we're going to work really hard in practice to be ready for uh, the game on Friday. Congrats, man. I just – I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I'm so happy for you guys. Can't wait for this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, afternoon games, and uh, we'll talk to you on Friday, man. Best of luck, JT. Enjoy the week. Appreciate your playing. Thanks, man. See you, bud. It's JT Gasso. Now, uh, that doesn't mean we're done talking softball for today or for this week because I do want to learn more about Clemson, Josh. So we've reached out to the Clemson people. They're bringing a radio crew, which is exciting. So we'll we'll try to to learn as much as we can about Valerie Cagle and this team. You know, DJ Sanchez. I know DJ has a uh, a friend of hers that is uh, coaching at Clemson. So. Maybe we'll get DJ on to talk about what she learned this week from the Sooners and maybe give us a little perspective on the Tigers. And, I mean, they've got one of the top three players in the country. I mean, we don't. So, obviously, they have an edge, right? That's sarcasm. We'll talk to the uh, we'll talk to the peeps up in Clemson, South Carolina, see what we can learn about the Tigers as the week rolls along. In the meantime, your texts are next right here on The Ref. What a fun weekend for college softball. What a great weekend. I could talk about it all day. 405-651-3439. I wanted to hit two quick texts, though, because we did uh, get all over the, the Zadavian Sims commitment to Oregon and you know how Sooner fans have been painted in a, in a tough light because of the message board geniuses post that made the rounds and then getting retweeted by several commitment, commits or, or recruits. And just, you know, it's, it, it's a bad look. It's not good. But here's two. This is one from the 405. These idiots do realize it's just a commitment. How many times have we seen recruits back out of commitments? Nothing is signed. I, I agree. That's, that's been my point the whole time. Not good. You know, you see these commitments, and we've, we've realized it a thousand times, right? A thousand times. I don't know if that's a, a, a true number, but I'm going with it. Either they end up signing somewhere other than the first or even second place they committed, or – there's a trip to the portal that opens up an opportunity for them to come back. And then there is this from the 918. You need to hold your boy Parker and other colleagues accountable. Insiders and journalists are the ones providing these areas for negative traffic. Regardless of affiliation, trolls exist on these message boards. Without verified subscribers, board guidelines are censoring negative traffic. This will only continue. Well, I would not pretend like I truly understand the recruiting coverage world, but I will say this. I don't think there is anything more 
crazy. And I, and I heard, because I heard Steelman say this the other day. He was talking about Steve Wiltfong had put in a crystal ball for somebody, but that crystal ball was only like a five or a six. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Is he saying he's going there or not? Well, he is, but, you know, kind of, sort of, not really. Like, so to me, I, I feel like that whole process needs a rogering. I think it needs a little bit of a cleanup. And I'm not going to pretend to understand everyone's rules and, and regulations on that. But to me, when you put in a projection, I think that should be the projection of where he's going to go. Not a not a five. Well, I'm, I'm projecting that Zadavian Sins is going to sign with Oregon, but it's only like a three right now. It's not like a full ten. And, and like I said, Josh, I'm a moron in that world. I have no idea. But I'm also somebody who understands logic, and I just I don't think that makes a lot of sense whenever you're telling and you're placating to a fan base that you're projecting a guy to go there, but it's only kind of like medium interest right now. That's well, just me. I'm with you, and one thing, you know, I, I admire – the analysts and experts out there that are willing to flip a prediction and not wipe it off the board and put right. in a new prediction, <laughs> right. which you see, you see quite a bit of that. It's like stick, stick with what you went or just be, you know, honorable enough to say, you know what? I got it wrong to begin with. Yeah. But, but again, I think this sucks. I'm sorry. Someone was like, it sucks all the wor the words, you know? Yeah, it is. So you're blocked. So you don't have to worry about hearing it again. Okay. I think it stinks. I think it's unfortunate for fans because it's a very small amount of people that paint an entire fan base in a bad light. And that's just the reality of it, unfortunately. Quick break. When we come back, oh, so much to get to from softball this weekend. Coach Gasso's post game and much more right here on the Rep.